0: amen please remain standing for the word of god i'm going to read from second corinthians chapter six that's in the second column last week was the first column we're going to skip over now to the second column in chapter six verse one where the apostle paul says working together with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of god in vain that's a stopping phrase receive the grace of god in vain We're going to hear about that this morning. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Somebody say now. now. Now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now listen to what Paul went through to follow Christ. And we too. By great endurance in affliction, hardship, calamity, beating, imprisonment, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. Anybody want to sign up for this? How do we do this? Well, we live into God's truth, God's power. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And now here comes the great contrast of how we live as Christ followers. The the contrast every day through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, treated as imposters yet are true, unknown yet well-known, dying and behold we live, punished and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Can you relate? Anybody relate to this? As poor, yet making many rich and feeling sometimes we just have nothing, and yet, God says, we possess everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. Let's pray. God, that is our prayer this morning, that you would widen our hearts, open our hearts wide to hear your voice this morning. We've already heard it in the scripture and the singing, uh, Lord, and in, in the prayer times together, confession times. Our hearts are beginning to, to widen. And God, I pray that this message will be true for us, that, Lord, uh, all of us can relate to these hard times that Paul was speaking of. All of us can relate, Lord, to that sense of living every day in sorrow and joy, the ups and downs of life. And God, we pray for open hearts that we would not receive your grace in vain. There's a lot here in this passage, so I pray for Pastor Andrew this morning, Lord, that you would just enable him to make it plain. Lord, to preach your word with clarity and with power, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Great to open the word of God with you this morning. Actually going to start just for a minute in Ezekiel chapter 16. You, you don't necessarily have to turn there. It's a, it's a powerful passage. I've always been sort of drawn to Ezekiel chapter 16. I think it tells a, a story that I can relate to. It tells about the Lord coming by and uh, adopting this young child who is Israel. And the image kind of changes. Uh, the Lord marries this young child. Uh made a vow, entered into a covenant with you, you became mine, I bathed you with water, uh, clothed you, I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists, chain on your neck, a ring in your nose, earrings in your ears, beautiful crown on your head, you were adorned, you became renowned, Uh, you went forth among the nations, uh, renowned because of your beauty, was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord. And then the story changes, uh, where God says through the prophet, but you trusted in your beauty, and you played the whore because of your renown, and you lavished your whorings on any passers-by. Your beauty became his. It's a powerful story, graphic story, uh, uses words like whore, which are kind of an old word, and you just feel uh, the weight of that. You love somebody and you give your love to somebody else in an illicit way. It's a story that we relate to. Uh, I was reminded of a song this week. It's called Wedding Dress. It's by a guy by the name of uh, Derek Webb. Derek uh, used to be a singer with Cademan's Call and then went on his own, uh, had a, a famous marriage, relatively famous anyway, that uh, ended up breaking up because of his own cheating. Uh, He writes a song, Wedding Dress, where he says this, if you could love me as a wife, and it definitely draws on Ezekiel chapter 16, for my wedding gift, your life, should that be all that I ever need? Is there more that I'm looking for? Should I Read between the lines, look for blessings in the skies. Will you make me handsome, rich, and white? Is that what you really want? Because I am a whore, I do confess. I put you on just like a wedding dress, and I run down the aisle, run down the aisle away from me. Could you love me, this child, even though I don't trust what you provide with one hand, in a pot of gold, and the other in your side, because I'm so easily satisfied. And it, you know, it goes on and really sort of gets beneath the floorboards of our heart, as it were, and, and deals honestly with how we, we move away. And he will say this song became really prophetic in terms of his own life, you know, how he left the things that he had and loved and cherished and pursued, you know, very much in the nature of Ezekiel chapter 16, the, the, the love of another. But he hasn't stopped believing. In an interview or a statement uh, that he put out, um, much following the divorce and everything, he said, I've recently felt that my songs feel like my own personal liturgy, things that I don't necessarily or always believe But I show up to recite again and again in hopes of believing them. If I'm honest, most of the time I don't believe the words of my songs. I have a hard time believing in a God that could make, let alone love a man who could do the things that I have done. But I'll go on reciting and adding to my liturgy in the hopes of believing the words because I wish to. More than ever, I, I wish to believe those. And I think that's where we find ourselves a lot. We recognize, you know, the story of Ezekiel chapter 16, a God who loves us, a God who's recon- uh, uh, who rescued us, uh, made us beautiful. But then we so easily go off after something else. And we'll talk a little bit about what that something else might be. And and I think that's where Paul is coming to with the Corinthians here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He's saying to them, you know, love the Lord your God. You are loved by Him and allow that to shape your life. May it be the thing that really uh, you are sinking your own teeth into. You're you're sticking your own stake in. Uh, May that be the thing that... That identifies you to the community, Uh, Paul is saying find yourself in that gospel. And the gospel uh, is, is not something that just is a mechanism for getting saved. This is how one person puts it. It's not just a mechanism for getting people saved, but it's the announcement of a love that has changed the world. A love that therefore takes the people who find themselves loved like this, And sends them off to live and to work in a totally new way. And that's what I want to lean into this morning. Paul's words to the Corinthians. You know, this idea that we are loved, we so easily pursue others, but yet God pursues us and loves us. I want to find us in that story and and stick our anchor there. and, And may it be our strong place over the course of the week. So let's talk about vanity first. Uh, because Paul says in verse 1, he says, do not receive the gospel in vain. What does he mean by that? Well, I think there's maybe two ways that we could understand that. The first is that the gospel is just missed, Uh, that the gospel has come into your life. It's been preached. You've maybe heard it. You've had encounters with Christians, other believers. You've read the scriptures all of these things, and you have rejected it. You have walked away from it. Maybe not, impl- not, maybe not explicitly rejected it, but you have implicitly turned it aside and said, that is folly, in the words of the earlier Scripture, and I'm not going to live my life like that. Now, certainly, you know, Paul wants all of his writers to come to what we would say is a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know he wants them to come to a place where they recognize that you know their sin has made them slaves, uh, where they need freedom that can only come from the uh, forgiveness that is in the Lord Jesus, who went to the cross, who died, who was risen again for our righteousness, who's ascended into heaven, who's made away. Paul certainly wants everybody. Uh, That's what he's given his life to, all these prisons and beatings, uh, labors, all of these things. He's given his life to preaching this gospel, uh, to persuade others. Remember, he said that in chapter 5, verse 16, I believe it is. You know, we persuade men, we persuade others of this truth. Paul wants that. And if you're not there this morning you know, we want that. We we would love nothing better than for people who did not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior to come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. Uh, and if you have questions about that, you know, Mike, myself, others, we'll be happy to answer those questions uh, because that is of utmost importance. But I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I, I don't think he's talking about the gospel being received in vanity as being something that is missed. Remember who he's talking to and remember how he talks about them. He's talking to the church in Corinth. Uh, we saw back in, in chapter two, uh, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter one, verse one, he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, uh, with all of the saints who are in the whole of Acacia, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as many problems as the church in Corinth has, both in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul continues to come and approach these people as fellow believers. He is approaching them as people who have received the grace of God. What his desire is, is that, it wouldn't be merely receiving the grace of God and the vanity of that. You know, he says in verse 12, he says, We have not restricted you, but you have restricted yourselves by a failure to receive the grace of God, the gospel that we are bringing, because you're insisting on all sorts of things. You're insisting on power, you're... Uh, insisting on persuasion, you're persisting on this these super apostles who get everything right, and you can't see that grace comes through weakness. And Paul is saying, don't do that. You know, when you receive the gospel, allow the truths of the gospel to fully satisfy you. Don't content yourself with you know, something that approximates the gospel but is not really the gospel. Uh, allow this to sink all the way down to your roots. Let me see if I can give you an illustration of that. Uh, as a kid, I remember while well, you go drive around town, you see billboards for the Beltline Bar, right? and their burritos. I think it even made, like, a, a recent television show, Man Versus Food, you know, they're even telling you how many burritos they've served in the last years. As a kid, I remember going there with my with my family, and I loved those those wet burritos, especially when you're a teenage young man, you felt like you could eat everything and not gain any weight. Remember those days? Uh, <laughs> these guys are like, yeah, what's the problem? Uh, the <laughs> uh, The problem with Mexican restaurants is this, and I do love Mexican food, and I do love those burritos. The problem with Mexican restaurants is the chips. They always bring you those chips ahead of time, and if you're hungry, you go and you gorge yourself on the chips so that by the time the burrito comes, you're not hungry. So what you've done is you substituted this burrito that we'll say is heaven, will say is the gospel, is all the glory of God. You've substituted this for chips, which we'll say is something less than that. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, don't receive the gospel in vain. Don't be satisfied with things that approximate the gospel but are not the gospel you know, with mere outward righteous works or these mere blessings that you think are coming because of your relationship with God. Don't look at the external. Remember what he said last week, the external is wasting away, but the inward being, the inner man is being renewed day by day after the image of Christ. Don't be satisfied with vanity. And I, I think about how often... You know, I need to hear these words because I'm so easily, easily satisfied by other things. In many respects, you know, we, we forget. It's, it's the difference between knowing the lyrics and maybe even being able to re- read the notes on the music. The difference between that and actually feeling the rhythm and knowing how to dance to it. And and that's what Paul's saying. I I want you to dance. I want you to enjoy the burrito. Don't receive the gospel in vain and simply be satisfied. You remember C.S. Lewis. He says, uh, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with things like drink, sex, and ambition. When infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what, it's, what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far, far too easily pleased. Paul says, don't receive the gospel in vain. Don't be restricted. He himself, in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says, uh, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. That grace that He received was released in His life. Uh, in a particularly vintage way. And that's the second point vintage, of high quality. Uh, it's something that's not just simply the chips, right? But it's the whole meal, it's the sights, the smells, the taste uh, of the, the wet burrito in all of its fullness. And look how Paul talks about it here in this passage. It's really interesting. Um, I'm going to use sort of the prepositions to walk us through this, in, by, and with the result that. I don't know that that's actually a preposition, but it sounded prepositional to me. Uh, So, in, look at what Paul says, Uh, and you sort of see the outline at the end of verse 4, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves. This is the release, right? Paul has received the gospel, and it's being released in his life and in his interaction with the Corinthians uh, in every way, in every way, by great endurance. So, what does that mean? What is the every way? Well, it's not simply the good times, it's the afflictions, the hardships, the calamities, the beatings, the imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, and hunger. These are the ways that Paul is saying we commend ourselves. Now again, remember, this is contra the super apostles that he talks about in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 12, it's contra uh, the idea that the Corinthians were looking for not just somebody who could come and preach to them, but somebody who had the name that went with it, somebody who had the power and the charisma and the persuasion and all of the different things. That's what the Corinthians were looking for. And he's saying, look at if that's what you're looking for, you, you missed the whole point. The point of the gospel is not that it makes good people better. The point of the gospel isn't that it's going to give you a little shine to the areas where you're weak, The point of the gospel is that it's an invitation into the very weakness of Christ so that we can experience the glory that is ours through Him. When Paul's talking about these things, afflictions and tribulations and riots and sleepless nights and hunger and all of these things, he's talking about sort of the paths of the dead for those of you who are Tolkien fans, the paths of the dead that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, followed, because that was the path that had to be walked, and that was the way to victory. That is the gospel story. And what it does is it turns all of our thinking inside out. You know, we think, well, the gospel, if I believe this, and if I follow it, if I do the right things, then everything is going to fall in place in my life. My relationships are going to improve my uh, you know my bankroll my my bottom line is going to get better uh, my the risk factor in my life, the aversion, uh, these things are going to go away. My kids they're all going to be perfect and walk with the Lord but Paul isn't saying that at all he's saying, look at the gospel doesn't erase these things in fact. We commend ourselves to you as we embrace the brokenness of the world. So that's the in. But note how he embraces it. By means of what? By means of all of the things that he says here. Purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love truthful speech, the power of God, weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. You know, Paul says, it's not that we experience these things, but it's how we experience these things. So merely being ascetic isn't enough. You can't just go beat your body, all of these things. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not the afflictions that are the main things, but it's in these afflictions by means of what we have, particularly through the Holy Spirit. You know, this is the reality of the gospel. It is a descent that leads to an ascent. It is a brokenness that leads to a wholeness. Remember a book that I like to read, it's called The Father's Tale by Michael O'Brien. He has a saying in there, the only whole heart is a broken heart. You can only understand that with gospel eyes. That will make absolutely no sense to the philosophies of this world. But if you look with gospel eyes at what Paul is saying here, you understand the only whole heart is a broken heart because that is where Christ lives. It's where He lived when he walked the face of this earth, and it's where he continues to live, turning everything that we would think on its head, inside out, so that we see brokenness as the path to walk to a deeper understanding of who Christ is and a greater dependence upon him for our, not just our mechanism of being saved, but for our experience of what it means to be a Christian. And, and, and Paul then says, you know, this is what it looks like for me. I mean, it, it looks like, has the result that, you know, even though we're honor or honored dishonored, we're honored. You know, though we are slandered, there is praise. We're treated as imposters, yet true, as unknown, yet well-known, as dying, yet behold, we live. As punished, yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying the reality of this gospel-saturated life, you know, of receiving the gospel, not just, you know, as some sort of mechanism to make us better and to get us stronger, The mechanism is that we are given a life that turns our whole experience on its head. We can actually possess nothing and yet be assured, be assured that we possess everything. Again, it just goes back to what are you longing for? Are you longing for mud pies in a slum or the day by the sea? Are you happy with chips Or are you wanting the full meal? This is what Paul is challenging us with. And if you just think about it, you know, all of these things that he talks about, you know, imposters and unknown and punished and sorrowful, yet making or poor and having nothing, all of these things. I mean, take just the opposite of that. We find ourselves longing for those things and pursuing those things. With so much of our life, you know, things like honor, health, happiness, riches, fame, possessions, safety, those are the things that are the opposites of what Paul is saying, I'm commending myself and I'm finding reality in the opposites of those things. But we pursue those things. We pursue honor. We pursue safety. We pursue comfort and happiness and all of these things. And it's not that those things are wrong. But it's just that you're not going to find what you're really looking for when you pursue those things. Paul, Jesus, is saying, pursue me. And the road is going to be tough because, remember, I walked the paths of the dead. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And that is the road that you too will have to walk. But as you do, know I am with you. And I will guide you every step of the way. And you will know a joy, a happiness, a possessing of everything, even though you may have nothing. Though your outer experience is one of wasting away, your inner experience will be one of renewal, one of joy, one of peace. And that's what Paul's saying. This is the vintage gospel. This is, this is what you can have, but you have, to, you have to aim for Christ. You have to aim for an absolute dependence, faith on Him, and make Him the center. Now, how do we do that? This is the last thing that I want to point out to you. Uh, we do that, you know, we avoid the vanity, we grab onto the vintage by being vulnerable. Uh, you see that uh, particularly in, in verses 11 to 13, as Paul closes here, he says, look at, and again, remember, this is in the context of the Corinthians rejecting Paul because he was weak, Right? they they are saying we don't know about you we don't know about the veracity of your gospel because you just appear weak to us and there's all these other guys here who've got it all together these super apostles and they're proclaiming to us a life that is all together and that seems more real to us than this gospel that you are talking about that you know you are you are barely a shell of yourself and you've been beaten and all of these things there's no power in you, and Paul's saying, "Look, it—you're missing the point. Actually, the pathway to that vintage gospel is exactly this. It's a vulnerability. We have opened ourselves up to you. We have taken all the risk. We have exposed ourselves. We're not coming to you with everything all together. We're not coming to you in strength." We're coming to you in weakness and in vulnerability. And the fact that you cannot receive that, basically, what Paul is saying, that's what's restricting you. That is where the vanity is coming in. You're, you're not receiving the full gospel because you're not really trusting it. You're not really trusting that the way up is the way down. You're not really trusting that as you confess, And as you repent, you are actually finding the grace of God in greater measure. You're trying to demonstrate your own righteousness. You're trying to demonstrate your own power. You're trying to demonstrate all of these things. But he's saying, that's not the way. We have opened ourselves up to you. We've made ourselves vulnerable. Open yourself to us as well. Make yourself vulnerable vulnerable. Now, I know that that's hard. You know, there's lots of different reasons. You start talking about vulnerability. You start talking about vulnerability in a church, and you say, whoa, you know, I'm just not that way. You know, my my personality is not very open. I like to play things close to the vest. I'm kind of guarded. I get it. Um, I I know that we all have different levels of comfort when it comes to vulnerability. You start to talk about vulnerability in the church, and you say, I made myself vulnerable in the church once, and you know how that went for me? Not well. You know, I was put over here in the corner with divorced people, or, you know, I was relegated to the anger choir, or I was uh, moved over to uh, the gossip basement, or whatever it is. You know, because why? Why? I mean, we just struggle with really living in the gospel. You know, we struggle with, you know, and so if we hear people struggling with something, whether it might be that we tend to sit in judgment on them, it's one of the reasons why we have confession as part of our weekly liturgy because we have to get equal at the foot of the cross. You know, we have to be honest as we come before the Lord and we have to say, look it, here is my junk. Here I am completely naked and vulnerable, and if it were not for the grace of Christ, I know that I could not stand. But it is the grace of Christ that enables me to stand. And therefore, I can treat this brother, this sister, whatever junk that they have, I can treat them with the same grace that you have treated me. And this is the kind of vulnerability that Paul is saying is the power. This is so different than what the super apostles were preaching. And he's saying, this is the authentic gospel. This is a gospel that's not in vain. This is where the power is. Derek Webb, as part of his story, uh, says, you know, one of the most important things that I would emphasize through what has easily been the hardest few years of my life Many friends left, a precious few stayed, some new friends showed up for which I am very grateful and without whom I might not have survived. For most of my life I have been dramatically under-resourced with people around me with whom I have been truly vulnerable, who really knew me. The importance of having a handful, even just one or two safe people in your life with whom you can and do truly share everything, especially the hardest and the most shameful things, the importance of that cannot be overstated. And, and Paul is basically saying the same thing. You've got to live this out. You've got to live it out in the here and now. It's one thing to be vulnerable with God. You know, but there is another level, and this is very similar to James. James says, confess your sins to one another. Uh, You know, Paul here is saying, we need that vulnerability in our midst because it's how we experience the grace of God. It's how we flex uh, or exercise our gospel muscles, you know, sometimes we talk about that with giving. You know, one of the great graces that God gives us in, in giving uh, to the church, you know, or giving to mission, you know, tithing, that kind of thing, is that it forces us to rely upon God. If we just hold back, you know, we can rely on our money, right? Uh, We can rely on our, our ability to get through things, but when we give, especially when we give to a point where we have to rely upon God, and there's a little prayer like to make it at the end of the week, when we give like that, we're exercising our muscles and we're getting stronger. Well, Paul is saying the same thing here. Vulnerability does that same thing. It forces you to exercise your gospel muscles. Do I really believe that I am who God says I am? Or am I secretly trusting that I am who that person says I am? And there's a big difference there. Paul says, the burrito, don't settle for the chips. You know, be vulnerable. Open wide your hearts to us, even as we have opened wide our hearts to you. And the last thing I just want you to note is that Paul always says this with regards to, to the proclamation of the gospel going out. It's never just for the community. You know, throughout 2 Corinthians, we said that at the very beginning, you know, God comforts us so that we might comfort somebody else. You know, Paul says, if I'm out of my mind with this gospel stuff, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.13, it's because of you. Because I want you to know the truths of the gospel, the radical truths of this gospel that has transformed me and has set me free. And and that's what Paul is saying now. Look at now is the day of salvation. And, And we have to take this into account not only for ourselves, but for everybody that we come into contact with. This is why we persuade men. Because we know the radical freedom That is ours in Jesus Christ. And how could we possibly keep something that good to ourselves? We got to share it. Billboards about burritos, it's just small stuff, right? We got to put it out there. We've got a God who has set us free. This is the best thing that you've ever had. Forget man versus food. This is universal what God has done in my life, and I want everybody to know it. And I don't care how vulnerable that makes me. I want you to know it because I believe it. There's a story about uh, a philosopher. I doubt that it's actually a true story, but you get the notion, this philosopher who has debated Paul, you know, Paul would debate the philosophers of his age, whether it was in the lecture hall of Tyrannus or it was on Mars Hill or wherever. Um, and uh, there's a story about a philosopher that debated him, and uh, it's just sort of his testimony. There's nothing in it. It's perfect foolishness, a pack of lies from beginning to end. No need for us to take the trouble to answer it. That was the attitude of the philosopher. Years rolled on, and when the philosopher was getting gray, that pestilent heresy of Christianity was spreading everywhere. His own daughter was converted. Even his wife used to steal out at night to the secret assembly. The philosopher could not make it out. I don't understand, he said. I have proved to the masses that it was stupidity. And yet these people stick to it. I answered all their arguments, did I not? I not only answered and confuted, but I clinched my arguments in such a way that I thought I had put an end to the folly altogether. And here I see it in my own household. But in the end, the philosopher had to stand with tears in his eyes and say this, I feel it in my own heart. It has beaten me. It has confounded me. I could syllogize and rationalize and I could beat poor Paul. But in the end, Paul has beaten me. What I thought was folly had confounded my wisdom. What I offer to you is the grace of God. Let's receive it with a whole heart, not in vain. Lord, we pray that you would meet us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would transform us, that you would teach us, that you would fill us. You promise us these weapons uh, of righteousness for the right hand and left, defensive, offensive, Uh, The whole person clothed in the grace and the goodness of your gospel. Lord, we desire that and we ask that you would help us to live that out. Lord, we don't want to be content with mud pies in a slum. We don't want just the chips. We want the whole meal. And we want to share it with as many people as we can. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Paul knew that presence of the Spirit. He was clothed with those spiritual weapons. May we, it be our prayer now. be seated. Thank you for your singing. It is always a blessing. Uh, it is one of the ways we minister to each other truly uh, as we come together. We have these red friendship pads on the end of each row. If you could take them, fill them out. Uh, you know, part of, part of this opening our hearts is, starts with getting known. And uh, I realize, you know, we all come into church, different stories. You know, some of us readily engage the community. Some of us are a little bit more reticent. But, uh, you know, maybe take that first step in in being known. Um, We'll do our best to welcome you. Uh, We welcomed this morning a a couple of new members, actually just one. The, The Waltons were sick, so we'll probably get a redo on that one. Um, but uh, Sarah Hannish, who, young, uh, young lady, grew up in this church, just uh, made a beautiful profession of faith, and it was great to receive her now uh, as a full member of the body uh, and just a real testimony to her parents, to the community. Uh, it's the ordinary means of grace you know, that we have in our lives uh, that has worked in her heart in such a way couple of other things just in terms of the life of the community. We're missing some folks. We have a group of about 40 up at Osabel this weekend. Uh, we've had a long connection with Osabel, and uh, they're up there just on a retreat. So we certainly want to pray for them and their time that it would be refreshing. Uh, also remembering, you know, Bert and May have long been heralds of Osabel, and I know just Bert going up there without May this year was uh, very different. Uh, so uh, pr- pray for him uh, in that journey. This week, Wednesday uh, time, uh, potluck come together. Uh, again, these are safe places, you know, C groups, adult men's ministry, women's ministry, uh, Wednesday night meals, stuff with youth, all of this. Where do we find the places to be vulnerable? I mean, we can do it in our own homes, and we certainly should, hospitality, all of those things. But it's why we do some of this. We don't do it just for programming sake, right? Uh, we do it to create these kind of places. So Wednesday night dinner, 545, come. You can sit around a table. Uh, but bring your favorite. It's a potluck. Uh, John always hopes that it's all desserts. Uh, so uh, you can bring all desserts for John Streifkirk. Um, First Things class, Uh, next week we have a whole new slate of Adult Institute classes that happen, Uh, so pay attention to those. We'll have that full list out to you this week through Friday email and other things. But I do want you to know about the First Things class. For those of you who are interested in knowing more about Christchurch, mission, vision, values, all of those things, uh, that class uh, would be for you. So there's an announcement about that in your bulletin. Uh, you can look, about, look at that for more information. And then just in terms of the life of the congregation, several things uh, to keep in mind. We keep praying for the sneeze acts for Doug and Linda, and their daughter Nicole. Uh, as Mike mentioned, Dory Westra uh, had a stroke on Wednesday, I think, this week. And, uh, you know, he, life has changed. Uh, for Doré, the Lord spared his life, but uh, there was a, a good bit of paralysis on the left side, uh, and uh, you know things aren't going to be the same. He has now been transferred to the rehab facility uh, at Breton and 44th, there connected with the Holland Home. So, uh, be praying for Doré, for his family, as they love him, and our, our church family as well. Praying as well with Dan Dank, who's going in for uh, an outpatient procedure, but it's removing a tumor. So we want to pray for Dan and Sharon tomorrow. That's taking place. The Wakeman family, we've been praying for them this week. Uh, Rochelle's sister uh, was in a bad, bad car accident and uh, was with a cement mixer. So that gives you some sense of that. Uh, She's been in the intensive care unit throughout. We want to keep praying for Colleen. Uh, and for that whole family system. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the ways that you meet us. We're grateful for a family to be part of. We can share these needs as we think about these things and and the seriousness of of these things. And we know there are many more uh, uh, issues in our congregation we want to keep praying for and bringing before you Lord, as we pray for these things, uh, we are grateful that we have a God who is El Shaddai, one that we can come to, who is all-powerful, almighty, uh, and that you as well are our provider um, and our healer. And so we lay each of these situations before you. We ask that you would give wisdom. We ask that you would give healing where appropriate. Lord, most of all, we pray that your presence would be with them, and that the peace that passes all understanding uh, would guard the hearts and the lives uh, of these folks and for people in walking in a place where they're they're not relying on you, we pray that their hearts would be drawn uh, to the grace of your gospel. Father, we thank you for the ministry uh, of this church, even as you encourage us to to look out we Recognize that you haven't saved us simply for ourselves, but you've reconciled us to release us uh, into this world and to to share the good news, to persuade others uh, about the grace that that we have been given. We think about that in terms of missions, and uh, as we've been reminded this morning, the church in China, as they uh, have such an opportunity, and we see so many people coming to Christ, but they also know so much persecution and and so many difficulties in different ways. And so, again, Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for presence. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, give courage where courage is needed and give a way forward where a way forward is needed. As we bring our gifts before you, Lord, we ask that you would use them in the service of your kingdom throughout the world. Uh, as well as Grand Rapids, for, for we are mindful of the fact that so many people in our own city, a city that has such a rich history of, of the gospel, uh, there are so many people that, that do not give a thought to you on the Lord's Day. There are so many people that are living these lives, pursuing chips uh, and missing the burrito. And so, Lord, we pray not in a condemnatory way, but in an inviting way, a way that says, come, enjoy what we have found. Uh, We pray that you would, would help the message to go forward, and may our gifts be used in that service. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.